If on judgment day, when I stand before God, the only way I will be accepted is if what the Lord Jesus Christ did, I did. Now, how can that be? How can what Christ did be mine? How can what Christ did be what I did? Now notice the question is not what can I do to make what Christ did mine. That would still make my salvation dependent upon me. Contingent upon me. Conditioned upon me. That's salvation by works. I will not be saved unless what Christ did is mine. Notice, I did not say, how can what Christ did be counted to me? But how can what he did be in reality mine? Our text in Hebrews chapter 7 gives us some light on this. Now I'm going to be going to several scriptures. I hope you'll turn with me to them because we can learn from this passage. And here is comfort. Here is assurance. If I stand before God having what Christ did being what I did. That's justification. That's what justification means. How can that be? In Hebrews chapter 7, beginning in verse 7, and the writer of the Hebrews is beginning by speaking of the absolute glory of Jesus Christ when he says, without all contradiction. There's no conflict here. <laughs> the less is blessed of the better. Um, you're a blessing to me. God's made you a blessing to me, but you can't bless me. I hope I'm a blessing to you, but I can't bless you. Only God can bless. And without any controversy, without any contradiction, it is always the better that blesses the less. The Lord Jesus is that better Verse 8, and here, men that die receive tithes. He's talking about the Levitical priesthood. You become a priest because you were born into the family of Levite, and you are not made a priest so much by God's oath, but because you were born a Levite. And you're going to live a certain number of years, and you're going to die, and then your son's going to take your place. It's never continual. And here men that die receive tithes. We pay tithes to Levi. But there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. You know, Melchizedek lives right now. And he was never born. 
and he'll never die. Here's God's testimony, and this is one of the reasons I believe Melchizedek is the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture says he liveth. That man who appeared to Abraham, how many, however many years ago it is, thousands, he still lives. He was never born, and he'll never die. Verse 9, and as I may so say, Levi also who receives tithes. Now remember the children of Israel gave tithes to the Levites. And they didn't give tithes to the children of Israel. The children of Israel gave tithes to the Levites to support the tabernacle, the priesthood, and so on. They didn't have land the way the other children of Israel had. They didn't have countries. They were the Lord's portion, and they were the ones who worked the temple and the tabernacle, and they received tithes for the support of that. Verse 8, or verse 9, and as I may so say, Levi also who received tithes paid tithes in Abraham. It does not say it was just as if Levi paid tithes. It does not say that the tithe paying of Abraham was imputed to him. It does not say he had a legal standing before the law as a proper tither. That's not what it says. And that's what we're looking at. Just what it says. It says Levi paid tithes in Abraham. How can what Christ did be mine? Well, it simply says Levi paid tithes in Abraham. How can what Abraham did be what Levi did? He was in Abraham. When Abraham paid those tithes, Levi paid those tithes. When Jesus Christ kept God's holy law, I kept. God's holy law. When Jesus Christ died for sin, I died for sin. My sin was paid for. When Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, I really was raised from the dead. In Christ, I paid tithes. I love the scripture in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, when the Lord says to John the Baptist, Thus it becometh us. Now, who's the us? Not just John the Baptist, everybody he represented. All of the elect, me. Me. You. Thus it becometh us to fulfill. All righteousness. He didn't say, thus it becometh me to establish righteousness and charge it to your account. He said, thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. There are a lot of names given uh, to this doctrine we're trying to consider. You probably, maybe you haven't. I've said to Lynn, uh, I'm going to talk about 
federal headship of Christ. And she said, why use that term? I've never heard it. So um, maybe you haven't either, but I never have liked it really. You know, the president is my federal head, and that doesn't make me have a real relationship with the president. The federal headship of Christ, like Adam was the federal head of his race, and Christ is the federal head of the elect. Well, maybe, but I don't, just never have liked that that much. And it's also been called a seminal headship, talking about the seed of Christ. Christ didn't have Adam's seed. He was born of a virgin. But everyone who has his seed, they're in him. And just like Adam, everybody that was born of Adam, they have Adam. Uh, everybody born in Christ, they have Christ. Uh, this has also been called representation. I've heard it stated that way. Maybe I have. But, you know, I don't even like that that much in the sense that all representation can be is a lawyer representing me. Here I am, and somebody else is representing me. It doesn't make me righteous, holy. I just have somebody representing me. It's even uh, been called original sin. And, and most, most people have some familiarity with the term original sin. Uh, it was coined by Augustine. It's not in the Bible, though the doctrine is in the Bible, that Adam's sin was the original sin, and we all became sinners through what? He did, and just as we become sinners through what he did, we become righteous through what the second Adam did. But what I'd like to do is kind of a, avoid all of those terms and just look at what the Bible says about this thing of me doing what he did. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 1. I'd like you to turn with me to these scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, how did Levi pay tithes? He was in Abraham, his great-grandfather. When his great-grandfather paid those tithes, the scripture says Levi paid tithes. So the key, first of all, for what Christ did being what I did is me being in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. This is something that we would all do well to commit to memory. 1 Corinthians 1, 30. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. Now, how do you get in Christ? God put you there. Of him are you in Christ Jesus. Now listen what is true with regard to me and you if we're in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody that's in him, he's made unto them wisdom. I'm fit for fellowship with God. The wisdom of Christ. Righteousness. He's made unto me righteous so that the holy law of God looks me over and says there's no guilt. There's no sin. He's made unto me sanctification. Holiness. His holiness is my holiness. He's made unto me redemption. Full deliverance. How delivered is he? That's how delivered I am. He's made those things to 
every believer. Listen to this scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him. This is God doing this. And this is where our, our security comes from. This is where our joy comes from. This is where our confidence comes from. This is what God does. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, if you're a believer, do you know what you possess? His righteousness, the very righteousness of God. That's why you'll be accepted on judgment day. It won't be because of how much you studied the scriptures or how many souls you won. It'll be because you're the righteousness of God in him. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Now, being in him, let's take it a step further. Being in him is being in union with him. It's being united to him. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, 4. Both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified. Christ is the one who sanctifies All of his people are the ones who are sanctified. Now look what he says. Both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. Not real close. Not just stuck together. One. One. That is union with the Lord Jesus Christ. One With the Lord Jesus Christ. Being one with him. Not close but one. Now look in John chapter 17. John 17. This is the end of the Lord's great high priestly prayer for his people. And he says in verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone. The twelve. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word. You know who that is? Me and you. He's praying for every believer right now. That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me, I've given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Every one of these people has the very glory of Jesus Christ given to them by Christ himself. They're all one. There's not one up here and one down here. They all have the glory of Christ. How can it get better than that? It can't. They're one together, and they're one with the Father, one with His Son, and the glory which Thou hast gavest me, I've given them that they be one, even as we are one, I in them, and Thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Now that's mysterious, isn't it? It's what the Scripture teaches. One with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me look at some Scriptures from Ephesians chapter 5. 
Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says with regard to marriage in verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. Now this is a great mystery. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> but he said, I speak concerning Christ in the church. I'm giving instructions with regard to marriage. But I'm speaking more than anything else with regard to Christ and the church. How close is the union of one? Look in verse 25 of the same chapter. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now, uh, men, if you love your wives the way you ought to, you're the one that benefits from it. It's going to be very advantageous to you to do so. We ought to love our wives as Christ loved the church. But you know what? That's not really what he's talking about. Because when I love my wife, she's not me after I love her. She's still Lynn. But what does the text say? He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So close is this union between Christ and his church that when he's loving his wife, he's loving himself. Now that is the assurance of the believer. When Christ loves you, he's loving himself. That's how close this union is. Now, when I love Lynn, like I said, that doesn't make her me. She's still Lynn. But when Christ loves the church, he is loving himself. And that's how he can say, as the Father hath loved me, even so have I loved you. Thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Now, how could that be? How could God look at me? God the Father and say with regard to me, I've loved Todd with the same love I've had to my son. It, we wouldn't dare say that if the Bible didn't say it. We'd be scared to death to say something like that. But the Lord said that. How can that be? Only one way. As I am one with him. Second Thessalonians, or Second Timothy 2.13. If we deny him, he abideth faithful. You remember when Peter denied him? 
Peter was a believer. He denied that he knew him. He didn't deny his person, but he denied he knew him out of cowardice, out of fear. He denied it. But you know what the Lord says? If we deny him, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. For him to deny me would be for him to deny himself. Now that is how real this union is. I think the great example the Lord gives in John chapter 15 verse 5 is when he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now here is the closeness of this union. The same vine, the same stem that flows through the vine flows through the branches. No connecting point. The same stem that flows through the vine flows through the branches. What an amazing union. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Remember, we're trying to see how what Christ did can actually be mine so that I did it. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22. For as in Adam, all die. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. In Adam, in Christ. In Adam, everybody that was in the loins of Adam, and that's me and you, and that's every man to ever live. Every man to ever live. In Adam, all die. Now, that, we're all going to die physically, but that's not really even referring to this physical death. This is talking the spiritual death that took place when Adam ate of that fruit. In Adam, all die. Even so, in the same manner, in Christ shall all be made alive. Everybody in Christ, every one of them, they're going to be made alive. This refers to that as according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. We're in him. In Christ shall all be made alive. Look in verse 45 of the same chapter. And so it's written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. God breathed the breath of life in him. He was dust, made from dust, and God breathed the breath of life in him, and he was made a living soul. The last Adam, notice was made as italics. The last Adam, a quickening, a life-giving spirit. Now, he speaks of two Adams. The first Adam, and the last Adam. Verse 46. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual. Adam, that, the Lord didn't come first chronologically in a sequence of time. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth. Earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image 
of the heavenly. You won't be able to see the difference between a believer and Christ. God only deals with two men. The first Adam and the second Adam. You're in the first Adam or you're in the second Adam. Now turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, speaking of Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, notice he doesn't say Adam's sin is charged to our account. When Adam sinned, I sinned. I'm not damned for somebody else's sin. I'm damned for my own sin. Because when Adam sinned, I sinned. And no, nobody could say, well, I wasn't there. You would have done it. As a matter of fact, you did it. When Adam did it, you did it. You literally did it. You can't say, well, I wasn't around then. You were an Adam. And you would have done the same thing. I, I sometimes think about, you know, Adam's put in the garden and he's given one commandment. Don't eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that tree. And you can have everything else. I mean, everything was great. Everything was wonderful. He had such a great life. But he ate of that fruit anyway. Do you think you wouldn't have? You ought to know yourself better than that. Yeah, you would have. And you did. Now notice verse 13 begins with a parenthesis. And that parenthesis does not end until the end of verse 17. And the teaching in that is very important and we don't have time to deal with it tonight. But that means that parenthetical statement can be lifted out and you can read Romans chapter 5 verse 12 and 18 and 19 together. Now look what it says. Verse 12, once again, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. What Adam did, we did. Now verse 18, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. I was born condemned. Judgment came upon all men to condemnation. And before somebody gets upset by thinking, how could I be condemned for what Adam did? Forget what Adam did just for a, long, for a minute. How about the way you are right now? How about the way you were yesterday? How about the way you were when you were a kid? How about, I mean, just, you wouldn't, it wouldn't do you any good if Adam sin wasn't up. Uh, charge to you. You've got enough sins of your own to condemn you and I do too. But here's what it says. Therefore as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so. In the same manner everybody that Adam represented was condemned. Even so by the righteousness of one. That perfect obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. The free gift came and Notice that is in italics, but I can see why the 
writers put it there, but the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. Just like everybody was condemned by what Adam did, everybody in Christ is justified by what Christ did. Now look at verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Now by Adam's disobedience, we were made sinners. You know what that means? I was born a sinner. When I was five seconds old, I came out of my mother's womb a sinner. Now somebody may think, well, how can somebody like that be a sinner when they don't even have any consciousness, when they don't even, when they're not even able to commit a, a sin? Well, look back in uh, verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now, that's talking about babies. They didn't sin the way Adam did. They didn't use their will and their intellect and their defiance. They didn't sin the way Adam did. They, yet, they die. It's a sad, how many babies have died? Now, the babies didn't die because they were innocent. The babies died because they were sinners. And somebody is thinking, well, does that mean a baby goes to hell? Does that mean a baby goes to hell? Well, if a baby is saved, and I hope they are. I hope they are. I got some reason to, to hope they are. And, and let me say this too. The Bible never says one way for sure or the other. I, I dislike it. When people make dogmatic statements, I know all infants are in heaven. Well, you can't get that. I know it from the Bible. But there's some, there's some hope. But I know this. If a baby is saved, it's saved the same way me and you are. Because it was elected. Because Christ died for it. And because it was born again. Now, uh, somebody says, well, how can a baby be born again? I don't know. But I know John the Baptist leaped in the womb before he was born. Didn't he? He leaped in the womb. And if a baby is saved, a baby is saved the same way me and you are. But don't uh, say, well, God would be unjust if he, if he um, uh, didn't uh, save babies. Now, what if God doesn't save babies, God's just and God's right and God's holy in whatever he does. And we trust his character. We know that whatever he does is right. And I really dislike it when people say God's got to be, you know, he, almost like God would be unjust. You're no, you're no judge of God. I'm no judge of God. Whatever he does is right. Whatever he does is just. And as far as... I hate using this illustration, but I, I'm going to use it anyway. You know, a baby copperhead can poison you and kill you when they're one minute old, as soon as they're born. They're, 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 they're not born, uh, uh, they're eight or nine inches long. They're, they're not born through eggs, and they have the same deadly bite, the same vagueness that their mom and dad do. Now, if you see a baby copperhead in your uh, house, one that's just newborn would you say well let's don't kill it it's a baby no you get rid of that thing and the point is um don't if in the seed of that child is a monster 
And whatever God does is right. Now, like I said, I have hope. You know, remember David said with regard to his child, I can't go, uh, he can't come back to me, but I'll go to him as if he would see him in heaven after he died. And there are other scriptures that seem to imply that. Uh, and, I, and I have a hope that that's the way it is. But aren't you glad the Lord hadn't told us for sure one way or the other? Because if he said all babies go to hell, think of the despair that would create. Oh, it'd be horrible. You'd just, you'd want to kill yourself. If he said all babies go to heaven, I'll guarantee you there'd be people killing babies to make sure they get to heaven. Now you see the Lord's wisdom in what he says, um, but we're born sinners. We're born bad. Bad to the bone. We're born that way. So uh, that's, uh, look what it says back in Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Therefore, as by the offense of one, or for by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Born, David said, uh, uh, in sin did my mother conceive me. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go about as soon as they be born, speaking lies. So by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. It doesn't say that the righteousness of Christ is imputed to them. I, it is, but that's still not what it says. It says they're made righteous. Where what Christ did, I did. Now that's my confidence in judgment. What Christ did, I, did, I don't have anything to work. However obedient he is. That's how obedient I am. However beautiful he is. That's how beautiful I am. 1 John 4, 17 says, As he is, so are we in this world. And isn't this what um, baptism teaches? This is exactly what baptism teaches. This is the believer's hope. When I'm baptized, I'm saying when Christ lived, I lived. When he obeyed, I obeyed. obeyed. When he was Crucified as I was crucified. I was punished. When he was punished for sin, I was punished for sin. When he was raised from the dead, I was raised from the dead. Baptism is so beautiful. And it tells the whole gospel. Now, it's been said, I want to close with this. Um, I know this. If what he did, I did, here's my prayer. Oh, that I might win Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is the law but that which is through the faithfulness of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith yes if I'm saved it's because what he did I did because of being in him being United to him. Now here's an Old Testament illustration. This is what we'll close with. I preached on this not that long ago, but turn to Genesis 27. Now everything that is going on in Genesis chapter 27 is corrupt. It's deceitful. It's sinful. It's men trying to swindle other men, trying to rip off and deceive other men. And you can't look at this and say, well, this is okay. No, it was wicked what was going on. It was wicked. Now, this is when Rebecca heard that Isaac intended to give the blessing to Esau. And Rebecca wanted the blessing to go to her favorite son, Jacob. 
She didn't want to go into Esau. Esau was her son too, but she preferred Jacob. And so she tells Jacob how he can get the blessing from Esau. Verse 6, Genesis 27. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat, that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord, bless thee before the Lord, before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau is my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice, and go and fetch them me. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat, such as her father loved. This is all while Esau was out hunting. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son, Esau, which was with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. And he came unto his father. And you know he was nervous. You know he was scared to death. And he came into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau. Thy firstborn. Now I know he was lying. But you know what? When I come before God, I better come with what he did being what I did. And Jacob said unto his father, I'm Esau, thy firstborn. I've done according as thou badest me. And we have. We've kept every law perfectly. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that my soul, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Once again, that's a lie, but once again, that's the truth. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and he said, The voice of Jacob's voice, but the hands of the hands of Esau, and he discerned him not. There was no discernible difference. And if I'm going to be accepted by the Father, there can be no discernible difference between me and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I'll eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat, and brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment, 
and blessed him. He smelled like Esau. He felt like Esau. He couldn't be discerned between Esau. He answered to the name of Esau. Now, for me to be saved, for you to be saved, the same thing must happen. What Christ did must be what I did. And there is a way I can know if what Christ did is what I did. I can know that right now. If what he did is the only hope that I have. And I'm relying on what he did. If I do, what he did is what I did. Let's pray. Lord, we ask in Christ's name that we might be found in Christ, that we might be united to him, that we might be enabled to believe on him. Bless this message for the Lord's sake. In his name we pray.